Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Fantasy NFL Today podcast. All right, and welcome to episode 17 of the Fantasy NFL Today podcast. Today we have a special show. I have my buddy here, Ren Piper, who's also part of the sportsethos.com uh, fantasy football club here. He's actually one of our, our lead writers, and I'm super excited to have him on here. He uh, has some really interesting takes on a few of the players that we agree on and a few interesting takes on some of the players that we disagree on. So, Ren, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick for us. Yeah, how's it going, everybody? Uh, I'm Ren Piper. Uh, yeah, I write for Sports Ethos. Uh, my rankings are coming out soon. You can compare mine to our boy JP Sticko up here and our other writer, uh, John Ratul. His ranks are coming out soon. Uh, super excited to be talking to you today, JP. Yeah, man. And it's, it's funny because I saw, I saw, you know, some of the rankings that you guys have been posting on Twitter and and, you know, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, geez, I'm like, am I too low on these guys? Am I too high on these guys? What am I missing? So um, this episode, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. I'm pretty excited about it because, you know, getting to talk to other experts is kind of eye opening and you kind of see things from a different lens. Um, but the first thing is, it was actually a question that I received on Twitter. I think it was last week. And um, the, the follower asked me, you know, what am I a fan of standard PPR and half point PPR? And I got talking to you about it after my episode. And I know you're a big fan of the half point PPR. Well, I'm a big fan of the PPR full point uh, PPR. And, and I, let me just get your reasoning. What's, what's, the, what's the reason behind your half point fan club here? So I think that half PPR sort of, it gives the boost to players who can catch the ball, but it's not overpowered. It doesn't uh, overvalue you know, little uh, scat backs, guys, third down specialists, guys like that. And it also doesn't overvalue target hogs, guys like Cooper Cup last year, Devontae Adams, guys like that. For example, I got a couple of numbers here. In full PPR, Cooper Cup scored 412 points. Uh, in half PPR, that drops way down to 343. Uh, compare that to Jonathan Taylor, the number one running back. Uh, in full PPR, he was at 360. In half PPR, that was 342. Wow. So in full PPR, uh, Cup outscored Jonathan Taylor by about 60 points, uh, you know, 58. Matt's not my strong suit here. Uh, <laughs> Me either. Whereas in half PPR, they're about the same. So I think uh, having the number one running back and the number one wide receiver with that level of scoring discrepancy uh, to me just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I like having the top players about equal with each other. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And if you haven't heard my previous episode, that's when I talk about my intake on PPR. So I'll just quickly kind of go through it. You know, I guess my love for PPR kind of stems off of we're on with my, uh, my main league with my buddies back home. We're on year, I think it's 17 now. And from year one, we've just been doing full point PR. And I just think it stems off of what I'm comfortable with, but also I was that scat back while I was playing the game. And I think <laughs> what that scat back brings to, an NFL game is so important from the ins and outs. And even though, you know, let's just say you don't want to reward somebody for catching the ball for, let's just say three yards and giving him, you know, 1.3 technically because of the catch and the three yards, those three yards in my view, kind of, it goes a long way. It changes the complexion of, of the drive. It can change a lot of things in terms of the football aspect. Um, 
of it all. But I also think that PPRs are important, especially the scat back, you know, outlook on it is there's just not many workhorse running backs anymore. So I just think that, that, that PPR, that full point needs to be rewarded. So it kind of expands the running back class and the running back rankings, if that makes any sense. Um, because you'll have guys like, I don't know, Danny Woodhead or somebody like that years ago on New England that probably would have ranked below, you know, 50 when he was on New England. And, and then in PPR, he was, you know, kind of a, a great player to have um, because of his catches. But um, I totally agree. I mean, either way, I think both half point and full point PPR are 100 times better than standard leagues. Um, in standard leagues, it just doesn't reward these scat backs or even the slot receivers that aren't going to give you the touchdowns. Um, it doesn't reward them anything. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, standard is the thing of the past. I think we should call it uh, non-standard or, or something something just to prove that it's a little bit outdated. Old school, old school. Yeah, there you go. You know, we, don't have, we don't have these teams lining up in, you know, I formation anymore and just pounding right. the ball with, you know, uh, one receiver on the outside running post patterns and, and play actions and every single time. So I think rewarding in some fashion um, is the way to go. And if you are starting your league, you know, and you're the commissioner of your league, I highly suggest kind of tinker toying with it, you know, one year, maybe doing the half point and then, you know, asking your league for a vote. You guys want to try to change this to a full point. I think that would be um, an awesome approach to how you kind of commission your league if it's a new startup league. Um, so from here, guys, we're kind of going to shift gears and we're going to get more um, or less talking about some players. And the first player I know is somebody that we both totally agree on. And this player um, in my rankings and Ren, if you want to pipe in on yours, no pun intended, Pipe Piper, but if you want to, if you want to pipe in on yours is um, Derrick Henry. I have Derrick Henry ranked as my number one running back in PPR and in non, uh, I guess, standard leagues. In standard leagues, I have him ranked the number one, too. Where do you have Derrick Henry ranked? Yep. Uh, full PPR, I've got Derrick Henry ranked as number two uh, in old school leagues. Uh, uh, Henry's my number one, no question. Gotcha. And I'm guessing you have Jonathan Taylor as one in your PPRs? Yeah, I do. Gotcha. Okay. And I have no argument there because if you know anything and you've listened to any of my podcasts, I'm a big component of tier rankings. So I'm happy to take any of my top tier running backs in any order. Um, so if let's just say I'm in multiple leagues and I have first pick one league, I'll probably take Henry and the next I'll probably take just uh, Jonathan Taylor. That's just, I don't want to have too, I don't want to have my hand in the, in the cookie jar too much. So just in case one guy gets hurt, but on Derrick Henry. So on Twitter, Ren, I don't know if you've been seeing is a lot of these, these experts are, are giving this big avoid sign and caution, 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 Derrick Henry caution. And it's all about because of the stack boxes that Derrick Henry is going to see um, in Tennessee this year, because AJ Brown is now a Philadelphia Eagle. And, and, you know, I, I went back and I did some research, but before I do that is I just want to explain to people what an actual stack box is. Um, it's a total football term. And if you're familiar with just fantasy football and you're not really with football in general, a stack box means they have eight or more defenders four to five yards off the ball. So everyone's basically compact and it's basically designed to stop the run. And um, people are saying, you know, avoid Derek County because it's true. He is going to see more stack boxes. Have you seen that on Twitter as well? Have you seen people posting this caution, caution, caution? Yeah, I have. And I couldn't disagree with it more. Uh, I've heard Derrick Henry as a sell, as an avoid for the past two or three years. And I think a lot of that has to do with the insane workload that he's gotten over the past couple of years, uh, you know, over 300 touches. And last year in just eight games, he really already had 220 catches or 220 rushes and 20 more receptions. So he was on pace to touch the ball more than he ever had. But 
he over his first three years in the NFL, three years combined. Remember, he was uh, he was behind uh, who was it in, in Tennessee? Uh, I don't, uh, uh, Johnson, right? Uh, no, I think it was he was a former Cowboy. Oh well, it doesn't matter. His first three years, he was a backup running back in the league. His first three years combined, he totaled five hundred touches. Demarco Murray, that's who. That's it the one. Yes, yeah, and got it, got and it. the Titans used him like a workhorse. They didn't. Yeah, and he was more of a zone runner too. Demarco Murray was the king of the zone offense. So if you leave to know what a zone offense is, listen to my previous podcast. That's not what Tennessee does. Sorry, keep going, Ren. right? Yeah. So people are off of him because of the crazy amount of touches. Because he's you know twenty eight. I think he's going to be twenty nine this season. I don't care about any of that. He is 6'3", 250 pounds. He's a beast. He can break tackles. He can truck people. He's starting to catch the ball more, and especially with A.J. Brown leaving that offense. Uh, obviously, they drafted Traylon Burks, but I don't think that they're going to use him as much as they use A.J. Brown. So why would they not give the ball to Derrick Henry as much as they possibly can? Absolutely, and that's a good point. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even take the, the, the point of view of A.J. Brown leaving, and that's obviously – that's a huge void that they're going to have to fill in the passing game. Um, you know, to, just to break down a little bit more about stack boxes and, and how Derrick Henry beats the stack boxes. So, you know, you need to use motion misdirection. Um, usually against stack boxes, you want to overload your box, meaning you want to have double tight ends, maybe one wide receiver out wide, which they were doing with AJ Brown, which means they're probably in man cup, which they're definitely in man coverage on the outside. But what people don't take into account is how much the offensive line in Tennessee sees stack boxes, right? The reason why the stack box is so successful is because offenses don't usually see it all the time. So as an offensive lineman, you're like, all right, well, I know I got to get to, you know, the, the, the nose guard and make my way up to the, to the linebacker. Where is he going to be? How quick is this guy going to be? But the more you see the stack boxes as an offensive lineman, the more comfortable you are with blocking it. So that's number one. You know, the Tennessee Titans offensive line sees it every single game, and they're used to it. They're practicing for it. You know, it's just like anything else. If you practice for something, you're going to get good at it. But not only that, is here's some stats with Derrick Henry and stack boxes with eight-plus defenders. In 2019, he had 135 carries for almost 130 yards and 13 scores. 2020, 10 touchdowns. And like you said previously, 2021, which was last year, by week five, he already had five touchdowns so i don't think there's any concern whatsoever about stack boxes against derrick henry i actually see it as a plus because if you watch any of you know his highlights and if you haven't seen his highlights go to my twitter i have posted a bunch against stack boxes soon as he breaks a tackle and breaks through the defensive line he's gone it's one of the most underrated aspects of derrick henry's game is his speed because like you said he's six three monster of a human but he flies and once he breaks through that defensive line and through the linebackers he's gone so I kind of see it as a plus. Yeah. And part of what he does is, uh, you know, the Titans will give him 30 carries a game. And a lot of those times, those carries are going to go for two yards. He might get stuffed three yards. He'll get stuffed. But as that game goes on, he wears down that defensive line, wears down the linebackers, and he's got the stamina to keep going. And he's got the breakaway speed to take a, a carry uh, 99 yards to the house. So great point. Derrick Henry is the most talented, the most physically imposing running back in the league. No reason not to have him in your top two running backs. Absolutely. And I think, I think just his floor alone is just somebody that you're just willing, like Jonathan Taylor, for example, just the floor alone is the kind of a guy you want if you're picking in the top three, top four, right? You don't want to have a guy that has a really low floor because if you swing and you miss, you're in a lot, a lot of trouble because it's a lot to make up if you lose your first overall pick in the first round. Yep. So 
shifting gears now from an early running back to kind of somebody that I have my eyes on, especially, which I don't suggest doing. I don't like doing it. But if you take a zero running back approach in this year's draft is Miles Sanders. What do you think about Miles Sanders this year? So I like him, uh, but as I'm putting uh, doing my rankings, I'm realizing I like some other running backs a little bit more. Uh, that Philadelphia running room is nice. They've got, uh, like we were talking about before, they've got the scat backs. They've got uh, Kenneth Walker, or uh, I'm sorry, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, Jalen Hurts obviously takes a lot of the running there. But, Boston Scott. Yep, Boston Scott. They, they do like to divide up their, their running back touches. But Miles Sanders is definitely, in my opinion, the best running back in that room. Mm -hmm. uh, he got screwed last year uh, with touchdown luck. He didn't get a single rushing or receiving touchdown, even though he had 754 yards rushing, almost 200 yards receiving. He should have lucked into something. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't. So a lot of fantasy managers who had him last year have that dirty taste in their mouth. Uh, they, they don't think highly of him. But, you know, I could definitely see him outperforming uh, maybe somebody in the top 20-ish range. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got right now Josh Jacobs, Javante Williams, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I've got those guys ahead of him, but he could definitely surpass him if uh, the touchdown luck goes his way. And if he uh, boosts up his catches from last season, he can definitely be uh, one of those top 20 running backs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when, we, when we guys, when we're talking about Miles Sanders here, I'm not talking about we're going to be taking him early, right? This is a zero type running back approach. You already have your foundation at a wide receiver or a tight end and two wide receivers. And then you're kind of looking for a guy like Miles Sanders. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a great example who's going to be ranked just around the same spot. But a few things that, you know, people are are worried about with Miles Sanders is obviously his injury history. You know, he hasn't finished a full NFL season yet uh, since he's been in the league which is an obvious concern. Um, like Ren said, the scoring is a huge issue. But the one thing I kind of would like to argue, not really argue, but go against here with what Ren was saying is, is the, that Boston Scott's an issue and Gainwell's an issue. Because if you break down when Miles Sanders was healthy and, and active, I should say, not even just healthy, just active, he actually split third down rece um, receptions with Gainwell. They were both 50-50 in receptions. So – Yes, you're absolutely right. Gainwell is a little bit of a, of a thorn, but I don't think he's a, as big of a thorn as people are making it seem. And as terms of you're absolutely right with, with the red zone carries, when Miles Sanders was healthy and in the game, because I saw this from, from an analysis, uh, a special uh, a guy that you know covers the Eagles, and I was shocked because he was 100% wrong. He was claiming that Miles Sanders just didn't get red zone carries, and that's the reason why he didn't get in the end zone, and they were giving it to Scott. That's absolutely wrong. Because when Miles Sanders was healthy, he had 18 red zone carries to Boston Scott's four. And inside the five-yard line, he had six carries to Boston Scott's two. So to say that Miles Sanders isn't getting goal line touches is wrong. And that's if you're following this guy and you know what I'm talking about, immediately stop following him because he's making up some stuff. Um, it's actually shocking to me because Gainwell on four red zone carries had three touchdowns. Right. The efficiency there was crazy. It's crazy. And, and, and Ren, I think why we saw that is when Gainwell's in, they're in the shotgun, shotgun formation and they're running a lot of that RPO offense. So I think a lot of times those linebackers are keying in on Hertz and they're like Hertz and they're saying, ah, Gainwell's not going to beat us. Gainwell's not going to beat us. And, you know, he bursts through the hole and gets those three, got three touchdowns out of four carries. Yeah, absolutely. The defenses see Gainwell come in. Uh, they expect the, the pass. So they spread out the stacked box isn't there. 
Gainwell's small enough to just squirt right through that offensive line and get in the end zone. I do, I do want to say, though, in Miles Sanders' first two seasons in the league, he had 63 targets as a, as a rookie and then 52 the next year. Uh, this past year with Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield, he only received 34 targets. And Kenneth Gainwell uh, did receive over 50 targets. So it's possible that Gainwell receives uh, the majority of the passing work there, but there's still plenty to go around for, uh, for Miles Sanders. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the last stat I want to give on Miles Sanders that people don't, aren't realizing is this guy's really talented when he plays. You know, he is ranked one, two, three, fourth in the NFL right now in active career yards per attempt, minimum of 400 carries. Um, he's 5.1 yards per carry in the minimum of 400 carries. That's huge. That's almost 10 yards every two carries. That's, that's ridiculous. That's a point right there for you in all fantasy leagues. So we, we like Miles Sanders here. I mean, we're not in love with Miles Sanders, obviously, for obvious reasons, which is why, you know, I'm saying if you're drafting with a zero running back approach, Miles Sanders is not a bad guy to target. So since we are on the Eagles, let's, let's get right to it. Let's get to the Jalen Hurts debate here. Um, and I'm finding myself, the more that I'm doing the research, the more that I'm falling in love with Jalen Hurts. I'm a Giants fan. Let's just, let's put that, let me put that on the table real fast. But in at Oklahoma, I was a huge Hurts fan and I knew he was going to have a great NFL career. I just liked his mindset. I like his approach to the game. He just looks like he wants it more. And that goes a long way, especially in the college game and especially now that he's in the NFL. Um, so let's hear from you because I know, I know you have him in your top three or four, I believe. And I have him ranked six. I did previously have him ranked nine out of my QBs, but I had moved them up this morning to six. Tell me a little bit about Hurts. All right. So I do have him as my number three ranked quarterback this year. But let me get one thing straight. That's my fantasy rankings, not my quarterback talent. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league, not by a long shot, but I do think he's one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the league. Uh, last season, he played uh, to start the season. He played all the games. He ended up getting injured in week 11 through week 11. He was the number one quarterback above Josh Allen, above Herbert, above Mahomes, Brady, all of those guys. And you know why that is? Because of his rushing ability. Exactly. We saw him. He could throw the deep ball, right? He connected with Devontae Smith on a couple of long balls uh, with some of the other wide receivers there. I don't even remember who they had in the room last season. He was good. He could. He's not the most accurate by any means. Uh, but when it's third down, eight yards to go, uh, they're in an obvious passing situation. They've got wide receivers spread out. Everybody goes down to run a route. Jalen Hurts can take advantage of the space that those wide receivers create within the secondary, and he can run and get those yards. And I'm sure everybody's heard it before, but in most standard fantasy football leagues, uh, 25 passing yards is equal to one point, whereas 10 rushing yards is equal to one point. So you do the math there. Uh, rushing is much more efficient for fantasy points than uh, passing the ball is. And last season, he ran the ball 139 times for 784 yards and 10 touchdowns. We were wondering where all those touchdowns went for Miles Sanders. Dale Hurts gobbled them up. <laughs> and so now that you add A.J. Brown to that passing room, now that you take out old man Zach Hurts, let Dallas Goddard in there, give Devontae Smith another year to learn the offense and uh, – 
add some size to his frame. You know, his biggest criticism as a rookie was that he's the slim reaper. He's so small. He can't, he can't hang in the NFL, give those guys all time to develop. Jalen hurts should absolutely take another step forward. He's primed to be, I think he has overall quarterback one upside. I think it's a little bit spicy to say that with the, the guys that are playing in the league right now, but he has the, the type of game that can win you a week on any given Sunday or Monday night or Thursday night, you know, whenever he's playing, but Jalen hurts is a guy that I'm targeting in every uh, best ball draft that I'm in. I'm doing a lot with uh, underdog fantasy Uh, after I, I don't like Patrick Mahomes, not for, you know, he's a great quarterback. If we're doing a list of best quarterback talents, Patrick Mahomes is going to be my number one unquestioned, but in quarter in best ball drafts after Patrick Mahomes goes after uh, uh, Kyler Murray goes, when it starts to get to uh, Lamar Jackson or Jalen hurts or those guys, I'm going after Jalen hurts. Absolutely. 110% of the time. And same for redraft. You still have him ranked as three. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I have to agree with you on a lot of your points because he absolutely has quarterback one upside. There's no doubt about it. Um, especially with AJ Brown now in time in town, it just, he's dynamic. He's explosive. He was actually the number one explosive runner in the league last year. And that deals with running backs and quarterbacks, but there's just something that, that bringing AJ Brown to town to, to town to Philly to me is, is going to throw, I think, his running game down a little bit. The Philadelphia Eagles were number one in quarterback run in the league last year with 72. That's a design play where Hertz is designed to keep the ball and take off. They ranked number one in the league last year and he didn't play a full season. So he would have had a lot more than 72. Um, So now with AJ Brown in town, I don't think then again, I'm not sure, but I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles Eagles are going to run a design Hertz run as much as we think they are, or as much as we saw last year. Um, A.J. Brown, as we know, is an elite wide receiver. He's going to demand the ball. And anything we know about wide receivers is they could be prima donnas. And if they're unhappy, um, the whole team morale goes down. I'm not saying A.J. Brown's that type of guy, but I'm saying he could have that potential to be that type of guy. In Phil, in uh, Tennessee, I understand they were a run-first offense as well, but he was getting peppered with passes. I don't think that could be the case in Philadelphia if people are still high on Devontae Smith and, and Dallas Goddard, because if they're high on those two guys, AJ Brown, if they're continuing to run this type of run first offense, isn't going to be as peppered as he was in Tennessee. You know, another, another thing here is I just don't believe in his passing ability yet. Now let, let me, let me rewind for a second. I'm not saying Hertz is a bad draft pick at all. I mean, like I said, he's in my top six and I'm saying he has potential for quarterback one overall, but there's just some, some, alarming like alarm sounds that are going on in my head when I start saying is he better than a Herbert uh, in fantasy is he better than a Lamar Jackson in fantasy and am I putting him in front in, in front of you know uh, Allen fantasy because those are my top three guys in no particular order there but um, I just have a hard time believing that he's a good enough passer in a team that's going to want to pass a little bit more than it did last year for him to make up ground in terms of top three um, fantasy quarterbacks, you know, I have some stats here, you know, in a clean pocket, which we're hoping he'll see next year, obviously in a clean pocket means he's got all day to throw. He ranked number 22 out of 38 qualifying quarterbacks. Um, to me, that means two things. And it's a good thing in terms of, you know, where I have him ranked, but it's also kind of can cater into your fact that he could be a top three quarterback is 
The first thing is he's just not as accurate as he needs to be right now. He's a young quarterback. He's just learning how to be a passing quarterback. You know, think about how he was in Alabama. He was not a passing quarterback at Alabama. Then he goes to Oklahoma and he just lets loose. Okay, but that was one year in Oklahoma. So is it his accuracy or is it that he just simply didn't have the receivers to get open last year, right? So that would go into your defense in the argument is, was his receivers, Nelson Aguilar, for example, were they just that bad where they just weren't getting open? And that's 100% a possibility. Um, the next thing is uh, passing grade standard drop back passes within the pocket. So that's whether the pocket is clean or the pocket is not clean, whether he has pressure or not. He ranked 21st. Uh, passing grade on first and second down, he actually ranked ninth, and that's 79% on first and second down. Now, a lot of that has to do with his ability to run, right, especially on first and second down. Teams are thinking, especially on a run-first offense, that he's going to run the ball or they're going to run the ball, so they're probably playing man coverage on the outside. And again, we're going to hear this again, stacking the box against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, passing grade against um, a non-play action play, he ranked 79, uh, he was 79, which is 12th overall, which is obviously pretty good. And passing grade on passes beyond the sticks. So this to me is an important one, especially when you have a guy like AJ Brown, who likes to run those deeper type patterns, you know, 10, 15, 20, if not, you know, further down the field, he ranked 19th at 82%. Um, now, obviously, again, this goes to, is it talent that Hertz has, or was it the talent around him? Right. And either way, you know, we can argue it back and forth, whether it's a talent around him or it hurts his talent. I'm just unwilling to to say that he's a top three quarterback without seeing it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I absolutely understand that. And uh, like I said at the beginning of my argument, I don't think Jalen Hurts is the best passer. Uh, you pulled out all the numbers and all the receipts to back that up. So I 100 percent agree with you. I do think. Uh, you made a good point when you mentioned it. It might have just been the quality of pass catcher that he had because uh, looking at Devonta Smith's stats here, he had a solid season, uh, but he did rank, uh, according to player profiler here, he ranked uh, number 45 uh, in the catchable target rate, uh, but he did rank uh, number 10 in the target quality ranking, which combines catchable targets with average target depth. Uh, so when Devonta Smith was... Uh, fast enough and uh, smooth enough in his routes to get open, Jalen Hurts was hitting him. And he's got the good hands to bring those balls in. A.J. Brown is also a physically dominant force. His catch radius is ridiculous. So if Jalen Hurts can just get the ball in his zip code, A.J. Brown should be able to bring that down. And it's he Jalen Hurts is still a young quarterback. So there's... There, there's no guarantee that anybody's going to do anything in the league, right? But we all saw the leap that Josh Allen made as a as a passer from year, I think it was year three to year four. Uh, and Jalen Hurts is going into year three now. So uh, his rushing is top tier. For that alone, he's going to be in my top five. But with the upgrade in target quality, I think Jalen Hurts can uh, really prove some of his doubters wrong this season. So, so out of your top three, who are you taking out? Are you taking out Allen, Herbert, or Lamar? Uh, I am low on Herbert. I... Oh, my Lord. And they say that I have a lot of investment in Herbert rookie cards. Come on. <laughs> no, Herbert, again, he's going to be near my top of the, the ranking in just quarterback gotcha. talent alone. 
Uh, and, and looking at it, his, his rushing upside isn't that bad. So maybe I have to move him up a little bit, but I have five guys in my top tier. That's Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Jalen hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, if, if one, another little concerning thing with, with Jalen hurts is, is did Tampa Bay figure him out in that playoff game? He was atrocious. And what they were doing against him is they were literally playing like a goal line defense. And they were just daring him to throw the ball. Now, sure. again, A.J. Brown changes that because you can't do that on A.J. Brown. But what they could do is they're not scared of Devontae Smith. And that was pretty obvious um, what Tampa Bay was doing. They're just, they just you know what it is with the Devontae Smith, man? If you're playing off on him, he's impossible to cover. But if you jam him at the line, the guy's like a toothpick. He doesn't really get off the ball too well. So I think that's what they were doing against Tampa Bay. But what could happen, and if I was defensive coordinator and I was game planning against Philly is, I'd run the same defense Tampa was doing, except I would bring the safety and I would jam AJ Brown at the line and I'd play a taxi coverage, which means the corner kind of just stays on AJ Brown's hip and the safety plays over the top and then just worry about the run from there. So it's all man coverage with safety over the top and double teaming AJ Brown. So I don't know. It's something to keep our eye on, especially early on in the season. How, you know, also we need to keep our eye on is what is this Philadelphia offense going to look like? I know Suriani says that they're going to be a run first offense still. But I don't know, man. You bring in A.J. Brown, are you really going to be just a run-first offense, or is that kind of just some shade? What do you think? Yeah, I think that there's there's no way. Just given the the talent at quarterback and wide receiver and tight end, we haven't even talked about Dallas Goddard today. But given my man. I love Dallas Goddard. I was so excited for him when they traded Ertz. I know. I think people were a little bit disappointed when they traded Ertz and Goddard wasn't the number one tight end. But he's definitely a good pass catcher, no question at all. But, uh, yeah, I think Sirianni's just – blowing smoke screens there's no way that they rely on uh miles sanders boston scott kenny gainwell as good as those guys are they don't compare to aj brown devonta smith Dallas got jalen hurts so and, and i i think a lot of what we're banking on is some of the growth in jalen hurts as a passer uh we can't just rely on aj brown to haul in all those crazy targets but if teams do dare jalen hurts to throw the ball he has to be able to beat them as a passer if he wants any chance to succeed in the NFL as a quarterback. Absolutely. I think he's got to be successful this year if he wants to stay the starting quarterback in Philly, to be honest with you. I know yeah. after last year, there were some questions about whether he's the guy or not. Um, I think he's the guy. Don't get me wrong. But if you bring in a guy like A.J. Brown and kind of leverage your franchise for the next few years, you better turn it around quick. Um, True. And I hope they, as a Giants fan, I hope they don't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so another guy on our list that we have a little bit of a disagreement on is um, Knox, thoughts of Knox on um, the Buffalo Bills. Um, you're a higher on him than I am. Again, I don't think he stinks, but I'm not, he's not a guy that I'm targeting, let's put it that way. Can you give us some reasoning behind your, you wanting to target Knox? Yeah, so uh, Dawson Knox, he tied for the league lead in touchdowns at the tight end position last season. He had nine touchdowns. The problem was... He only had, let me see, let me get my stats here. He only had 587 receiving yards and only 49 receptions. Uh, compare that to compare that to Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey last year. They both had over a hundred targets, over a thousand receiving yards, and but they also only ended up with nine touchdowns. So the question here is uh, I, we've heard a lot of talk this offseason about. Gabriel Davis versus uh, Jamison Crowder. Uh, who's going to step up as the, the Bills' number two pass catcher behind Stephon Diggs? My thought is that it's going to be Dawson Knox. 
we talk a lot about uh, tight ends who take some time to break out. Uh, Dawson Knox is going into his third, his fourth season in the NFL. Uh, I could make the argument that last season was his breakout year. This season, he's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, last season he broke out. Uh, he's got the chemistry with Josh Allen. And this season, he should have the opportunity to get peppered with targets. Uh, the thing that's going to make him a reliable and consistent fantasy option is to not rely only on those touchdowns, is to have those catches and those yards. Uh, I think that a lot of people are arguing over which wide receiver it's going to be. I don't think that they're right. I think Dawson Knox is a way to go. I think it's risky to project such an increase in targets, but I think it'd be uh, silly of the Bills not to give Dawson Knox the ball. He wasn't just a red zone option. He also had yards after the catch ability uh, to call him Gronk is obviously a stretch, but the way that he broke tackles and the way that he kind of juked guys out. Kind of Jeremy Shockey-esque a little bit. Yeah, yeah, something like that. He's great with the ball in his hands. He can high point it. He can out muscle guys to get the ball. Uh, so I think Dawson Knox is in line for a big season. I don't think he's going to crack the top three by any means. Uh, Where do you Travis have him ranked? Where do you have him ranked? So I've got him, I've got him ranked number seven, but he is in my number two tier. So I could see him, my, my number two tier goes from number four to number seven. So I could see him potentially finishing it as the number four guy. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, he makes some valid points there and, and you're absolutely right. We don't know where these targets are going to go, right? We don't know who's going to catch those Beasley targets over the middle and who's going to be, who's going to be the guy. Um, I currently have Dawson Knox ranked at my 11. So right outside top 10. So we're not really that far apart, but he's at my fourth tier, but my tiers are a whole lot different than yours. I only think there's two tight ends in my number one tier and that's Kelsey and Andrews. People sure. can argue about, argue about Pitts and Kittle. Um, I get it. I totally understand it. But if I'm going to reach for a tight end, I'm going to take a tight end early. It's got to be Kelsey or Andrews. Um, but go back to the whole Dawson Knox thing. I think you're absolutely right. His ability is there. Josh Allen trusts him and he's got the touchdown upside. My only concern is the play call in Buffalo. Okay. I know the ball's gone. He's now my head coach in, in New York, but I don't think they're changing that offense. Why? There's no reason to that offense is the number one offense are explosive. There's no reason to change it. So what do I mean by the problem is the offense? Well, the bills ranked second in place without a tight end on the field last year. So they were second last in the NFL running a zero tight end sets last year. Um, the next problem is Josh Allen only targeted his tight ends 11% of the time, which was bottom of the league last year as well. So my, my, when I'm looking for receivers, right. And I'm looking for, you know, middle to later tight ends, I'm looking for target share. That's the one thing that I, especially because I play in a full point PPR league. Right. And that goes back to our first conversation is those receptions go a lot further in a full point than they do in a half point And they do in a standard league. So I'd rather have a tight end that's going to be peppered with catches that may not get into the end zone that many times, right? Because the upside is obviously there for me because I'm getting a point every time he catches the ball. So my only problem is with Knox, and it's not a problem because it could be fixed, is the play call. Will they continue to use these zero tight end sets now that, you know, um, they have a, a, they're going to have a new play caller because the ball is gone? Or are they going to do the same exact thing um, as they did last year and run those no tight end sets again? So 
that's a little bit of an issue. And then, of course, my major issue with him is this a lot of his points, 33% of his points came off of touchdowns. Um, that I hate chasing touchdowns. It's just something, especially from a receiver or a tight end point of view. Uh, running back's a little bit easier per, to predict because obviously, you know, let's just give an example for the Vikings. You know, previously with their old ball coach, they were the number one team in running the ball in the red zone. That's why Dalvin Cook is always in, you know, ahead of everybody or, or ranked high in rushing touchdowns because that's what they're calling. And that's exactly what you're going to see on a weekly basis. But to, to, to guess touchdowns in, from a receiving type of position is so hard to do because things can change so easily when you drop back to pass the ball, right? You can double team the guys. You can run the taxi formation, like I was saying. You can run man coverage. It's just so many different things that can happen um, when a quarterback drops back to catch the ball. And another little stat that I can't take credit for that I saw on Twitter was that um, if the league average stays consistent in terms of tight end leaders and touchdown rates. So since 2014, if you have a leading score as a tight end in touchdowns, that means you'll drop to at least seventh the next year in touchdowns. I know that's, that's a, a, a crazy sounding stat and really has nothing to do with much, but it's pretty consistent because it's, it dates back to 2014. So if you take that into effect, into account, that would have easily put him outside the top 12 last year. So I don't, I don't mind the take at all. I think it's a very interesting take because you're absolutely right. Is everybody is all over Gabriel Davis. You know, I'm high on him too, but he's getting to a point right now where I'm not really sure. Um, he's getting to a point now where it's kind of like, am I really going to take Gabriel Davis, you know, this early in hopes that he can give back what I'm hoping he can give back or do I want to wait on him and let somebody else take a chance on him? He's getting to that point. Um, and if you're willing to skip on Gabriel Davis, you're not wrong here and taking, you know, Dawson Knox, which you can get really late right now in, in fantasy drafts as your number one tight end. So I do like your points there with Dawson Knox. Yeah. And I did want to add, uh, I was looking at uh, stats from last year and one guy who I'm kind of out on uh, for the reasons that you mentioned about touchdowns, not being sticky touchdowns, hard to predict. Uh, one guy I'm out on at tight end is Hunter Henry because he had so many of his points come from touchdowns, but comparing Henry to Knox, they had pretty similar stat lines. Uh, Knox had 71 targets. Henry had 75. Knox had 49 receptions. Henry had 50. Knox had 587 yards. Henry had 603 yards. And of course they both had nine touchdowns. And that, I, I think it has to do with Josh Allen. It has to do with that Bill's offense. But then the other point I wanted to mention is I agree with you. If you're not, if you're not getting those top tier tight ends, that Mark Andrews, that uh, Travis Kelsey, I like Kyle Pitts a lot. So I've got him in that tier, but if you're not getting one of those top guys, it is best to wait. Uh, I've got uh, all the leagues that I play in are half point per reception. So that's what these numbers are. But Mark Andrews finished number one last year at 247 points. Kelsey was number two at 216 points. That's a, about a 30 point difference. And then from Kelsey at number two to Dalton Schultz, who was number three, it was a hundred Schultz had 170, 70 points. So that's about a 50 point difference almost. Huge. And then from Schultz at number three to Dallas Goddard at number 10, Goddard had a hundred, uh, 137 points. So that's 30 points between three and 10. So that really illustrates the point that yep. if you're not getting one of those top guys, 
don't don't take a tight end in the fifth round of your draft or the sixth round. Wait until the end. See who drops. See who your league is low on. That's who you can buy up. Absolutely. I mean, how many times, too, have you been in a league where, like, you think you got the right tight end and he ends up just stinking and then you have to hit the waiver wire? Yep. You know, like a Faramuth last year for the Steelers, right? That guy was not drafted by many guys last year unless you were on the sleeper train. Yep. Um, and then he turns out to be a decent tight end last year for, for your fantasy team late in the season. Just little guys like that. So, absolutely. If you're not taking a top-tier tight end, just wait. Just wait it out. Let's see what happens. Um, but, again, that goes into my, my, my reasoning of your approach of a fantasy draft. Always go to your fantasy pr- draft with an approach of – your tiers, not a specific player. Because if you're targeting a specific player and you're up to draft and he's no longer there, you're going to be scrambling around, right? So make sure yeah. you pr- approach your draft in tiers, like you said, right? You have your tier one guys, your tier two guys. Know what rounds you're looking for those guys in. And if they're not there, go somewhere else and just wait and just wait it out. That's, that's a great, great point. Can I give one little sneaky tip here? A guy, if you're looking Absolutely. to wait, Wait at tight end and get somebody who might just get a lot of targets is sure. going to be Cole Komet. I think we're both pretty high. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I will give the disclaimer. I am a Bears fan. With that comes a lot of Bears pessimism. So I, I know we've been a bad franchise. I know that we haven't had a lot of success. But in Chicago, the guys catching passes, you've got Darnell Mooney. You've got Cole Komet. Velas Jones, maybe it's it's a struggle. So if you're looking for a late round tight end who could get a lot of targets, uh, Cole Komet could be your guy. Yeah, I absolutely 110% agree with that. Cole Komet is my number one sleeper tight end for sure. I probably will have him on at least one of my fantasy teams this year. I was actually big on him last year um, on my fantasy pages on Instagram. I just I just thought he has all this potential. It's like why is he? Why are they not getting him the ball? And that has a lot to do with coaching. And now that the new regime is in there, I think they're going to they're gonna take a full, full um, strength in utilizing Cole Komet, his size, his hands. And if you like those red zone guys, I can see Cole Komet really being a target for the Bears in the red zone. Um, Darrell <laughs> Mooney is not that type of player. Cole Komet can definitely be that type of guy with his huge hands, his huge frame. Um, I can see him going off for sure. To speak to the uh, idiocy that was the Bears coaching last year, <laughs> Uh, we gave the majority of our tight end and red zone targets to the shell, the ghost, the skeleton of Jimmy Graham. Yep. So Jimmy Graham <laughs> exactly. is out. So let's take him out of the equation. Let's put yep. Cole in there. And I guarantee he catches about 60% of the ones that should have been caught. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So the last kind of topic that we're going to talk about here is Kansas city and the headache in which Kansas city's wide receiver depth is. Um, I really have not much whole cold, cold, cold facts in terms of stats for this. I kind of just think this is a headache and a headache that I really kind of want to avoid if I can. And what I mean by that is, you know, Sky Moore, Hardman, Juju, MVS, you know, I just, I just want to kind of avoid that at all costs and let it work itself out. I'll let somebody else take Juju as early as he's going. I'll let somebody else take a chance on Sky Moore. And I'm talking about redraft leagues, guys. I'm not talking about dynasty leagues. I'm not talking about any type of keeper type leagues. I'm talking about redraft leagues. I just don't think there's a guy on that roster besides one guy that I would take um, this year in fantasy. And um, I'll let you go. And then I'll talk about that one guy that that I'm targeting. And I'm talking about like probably on free agency. That's how late this guy's going to be going. Yeah, so I agree with you. I think that whole pass catching room is going to be a headache. I think 
uh, Travis Kelsey is going to be the first, second, and third option to, for passing the ball. Uh, just because of, I mean, obviously he's a great passing talent, but everybody else in that room is kind of new. You've got Miko Hardman, who was originally drafted to be Tyreek Hill's replacement when he was uh, eyeing down a suspension, maybe. He hasn't really lived up to the hype. So the Chiefs went out and brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They drafted Sky Moore. Uh, they drafted Justin Ross. Uh, I think that the vast majority of targets going to Kelsey and everybody else is going to get a little bit of the pie. Uh, obviously Mahomes has the talent to make anybody look better than they really are. And Juju flashed uh, a couple years ago, but as big Ben sort of declined, uh, Juju sort of fell off. He dealt with injury, but I think that the chiefs are going to be taking the approach to wide receiver that the Packers have been taking the past couple of years where they just have Devonte Adams and then a bunch of scrubs, and they just kind of trust Aaron Rodgers to make it work. Uh, and they have the, the confidence in the franchise to be able to do that because they've locked up Mahomes to that 10-year, half-a-billion-dollar deal, so they don't have to worry about uh, pissing him off or anything. Uh, I do want to say uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire flashed in college as a pass catcher. Now, they brought in Ronald Jones, who's a better between-the-tackles runner. He... I think could lead the team in carries, but in terms of pass catching, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire does have some sneaky value. I'm not taking him as my number one running back by any means, but he could surprise and uh, do a lot of work in the air. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there too. I think Rojo is definitely going to lead that backfield in carries, but I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a guy you're going to want to have on your team out of those two. If you're in a 0.5 or a full point PPR league for sure. So the one guy, you know, it's so funny here. I'm reading back on these notes, which we, I wrote like a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago with you. And I see here that um, the only guy I'm considering is Juju. And that has changed for me drastically. Um, I just, I just can't swallow the pill of saying that Juju Smith Schuster is going to be the guy to own in Kansas city. Um, I just can't do it. I think now I'm high on Patrick Mahomes. I'm a lot higher than I think you are on him this year in terms of fantasy. I just think he's way too talented to, to, not finish in i think i let me see where i have him real quick um i think i have him at five let's see i have qb no i have him yes i have him at five so i i I think patrick mahomes still finishes in the top five i just i can't get past his talent right if aaron Rodgers kind of i know he had Devontae adams but he didn't have kelsey um i think if if rogers could do what he did i think patrick mahomes can do what he did i think patrick mahomes has a chip on his shoulder this year uh, people are, are kind of doubting him and doubting the Chiefs. I don't want to – I want the guy with a chip on his shoulder, especially if he has the talent of Patrick Mahomes. And I think his running ability is also very underrated as well. I think we could see him scrambling a little bit more. You know, how many times have we seen him scramble? You know, he's holding the ball out like a loaf of bread and he just scrambles out, out gets the <laughs> first down and skips out of bounds. I can see that happening a lot more this year. Um, so, I, again, I'm high on Mahomes, but I'm not high on any particular wide receiver, obviously, besides Kelsey at tight end. But – you mentioned him previously. I love Justin Ross. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I, I live down in South Carolina right now. I'm, I'm, I'm originally from New Jersey, but I got to watch Clemson. I got to hear about Justin Ross out of high school. This kid is was supposedly like the next up and coming star, um, the number one wide receiver, the new Julio Jones. You know that type of that type of explosion on on offense as a receiver. And if he didn't get hurt, he would have absolutely been a top, one of the top draft picks. Injuries obviously concerned, but again. 
if I don't have to waste a draft pick on him and I can get him, let's just say on the free agent list and I could just hold on to him. Um, and let's just see how it works itself out in Kansas city. I'm willing to bet on a chip on my, on his shoulder. Cause again, I like guys like that where Justin Ross can carve his way into that offense. Eventually. What do you think about Justin Ross? I like the talent. I, what scares me is that he went completely undrafted. All 32 teams had their doctors check him out. Uh, and they all decided that he wasn't even worth a seventh round pick. Uh, I think that he, he has all the talent in the world and all the potential in the world. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, his back injury concerns me and it didn't really pre-draft. I was thinking, Oh, you know, it's a scary thing, but he should be able to bounce back. But the fact that all 32 teams pass on him for all seven rounds of the NFL draft, that concerns me. Yep. Absolutely. Great point. And I mean, if you think about it, all our fantasy managers are going to pass on him too on every single round. And that's can, true. And then maybe you can kind of get in there and scoop up, scoop him up on the free agent list. You know, he's turning heads at camp. Um, he's making one-handed grabs. Patrick Mahomes is praising him. Uh, Andy Reid's even even been mentioning his name in press conferences. You know, if he can start getting this ball rolling and he can get confidence back, because a lot of times, man, when you get hurt, it's your confidence that actually hurts the most. And you can't ever find your, your speed again because you're lacking the confidence of you getting to a spot as fast as you used to and things like that. So I think if you can get this ball rolling, create a relationship with Patrick Mahomes in terms of a football relationship, I do think that he can carve himself a role in the Kansas City offense. And if I'm in a dynasty type of league, I'm absolutely trying to target him very, very late, obviously, because you just don't know what this guy can be. This guy can be down in the future. Yeah. And I do want to mention, I'm looking at uh, underdog best ball ADPs right now. Uh, if you're looking for a late round value, Justin Ross is average ADP is about 210. And there we go. With underdog, the last pick in the draft is 220. So you can get him with the, your very last pick in most underdog drafts. Yeah. So you're not wasting nothing, guys. You're not wasting anything. You're not wasting, you know, an, uh, a hot. What is, do, you, do you have your, the wide receiver ADPs up there? Do you have Juju Schmidt's ADP up there? Yeah. I don't have, yeah. What so he, where is he getting drafted at? And who's Juju, around him in terms of wide receiver? No, Juju is, okay, Juju's going at wide receiver 27. So guys around him. You got Rashad Bateman at wide receiver 25, Brandon Cooks at uh, wide yeah, receiver 26. Come on, come on. Just those two guys <laughs> right there, I will take over Juju Smith any day of the week. We're oh, talking yeah. about two wide receiver ones on teams that are lacking any other talent around them. Yep. Right? Bateman, number one wide receiver besides Andrews. And then you got, um, who'd you say? Cooks, who I'm very high on. I don't know. Every year, for some reason, if you listen to my earlier podcast, Every year, Cook seems to just slip and fall and fall. And then all of a sudden, week one, he goes off for 27 points. And everyone's like, why didn't I pick him? <laughs> I, I feel like it's happening again. <laughs> yeah. he's. I, I think the problem is just his longevity, right? He's been in the league for, what, eight seasons now? And everybody keeps predicting that he's going to drop off. And the amount of times he got traded around early in his career, everybody thinks, oh, he's going to have a hard time adjusting to the new offense, the new quarterback. But every year he's great for fantasy football. Even last year he was wide receiver 20 with a rookie with quote unquote, the worst rookie quarterback in that draft. He was wide receiver 20. So there's no reason that Brandon Cooks should be uh, going ahead of, or, or, or that Juju Smith-Schuster should be going ahead of Brandon Cooks. There's no way. And the only reason why he is is because of Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. It's affiliated right now with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You know, I have Brandon Cooks right now ranked as my 20th wide receiver. And I'm ready to move him up because I'm ready to move Amari Cooper down. Um, I, I didn't, didn't want to get in this with you with you this time. I wanted to wait till next episode. But I just I, – I can't get myself to draft Amari Cooper if Deshaun Watson's not going to play. 
yeah. I just have a really tough time of, of trusting um, Brissett to give Amari Cooper a chance to catch the ball and have him finish within my top 20 ranking. Yeah, Amari Cooper is kind of polarizing. Even with, you know, Dak Prescott for the last couple of years, he's the highest that he's finished in the PPR is uh, rank number 10. But that was back in 2019. Uh, 2020, he was number 15. and 2021, he was number 27. So it, I don't know what his deal is. I He's inconsistent. He's hard to pre- predict based on matchups for fantasy football. I, I don't like drafting Amari Cooper either. No, I'm, I'm staying far, far away, from, especially because of the type of receiver he is, right? He's a crisp route runner, and that means it's all timing with his quarterback. And mm-hmm. if he has a quarterback that doesn't have good timing on his release, he's it's not going to be a good guy to, to target here. Um, so I think that is going to put a bow on this, Ren. I mean, this has been an absolute pleasure. We'll do this again, guys, probably either once every week or we're going to do it maybe twice a week. I do want to get into guys like, you know, Mooney with you, Allen Robinson with you, oh, yeah. Deontay Johnson, the – the head headache that Deontay Johnson is giving me because uh, I love Deontay Johnson. I was huge on Deontay Johnson last year. The guy's just a PPR target machine quarterback room scares me, but we'll get into all that with you guys. Uh, hopefully next week, if you're available, buddy, if not, we'll wait for the uh, following week from there. Um, thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks. I've got plenty of takes about Anna Robinson, Deontay Johnson. I've got all these guys. So it was great talking to you. Can't wait to do it again. Awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, Guys, if you have not already, please make sure you're subscribing to this podcast. Make sure that you're commenting, liking, doing everything you can uh, to help me out. I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you haven't already, also make sure you're following me on Twitter at JP Sticko. Follow me there because Ren will also be on my show when we're going to be talking about things. um, I think either we're going to do it Fridays or Saturdays during the season where we're going to do a little bit of start and sit type question and answers. Um, I think Ren will be great for, for um, you know, the Ethos Sports fan to kind of get a better per, kind of a view if it's two of us instead of just me talking. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'd be more than happy to contribute as much as you need me. Yeah, I think that would be, be really cool. So if you haven't, the way that we're going to do the start and sit questions is you got to make sure you ask it um, on my Twitter. Make sure you're asking me the questions on Twitter. So get on it early. Follow me on Twitter. I have tons of content coming out. Um, sportsethos.com also will be dropping our fantasy football and football in general page very 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 soon right now if you log on there you'll see just basketball and some wagering type things baseball is going to be on there very very soon as well so please make sure you're staying up to date on my twitter because i will announce when that is released ren it's been a pleasure buddy you have a great rest of your evening folks as always peace love and fantasy football folks there is no such thing as a fantasy offseason only the pre-draft season and here at sports ethos the pre-draft season has already begun our expert analysis are churning out important lessons learned and draft analysis on incoming rookies so you can get a jump on your prep and will have incredible free agency and a summer league coverage as well. But only if you're part of our premium member team. Head to sportsethos.com now and click on the premium tab to grab a fantasy pass today. Seriously, just cook yourself one extra lunch per month because this deal is only $5.99. I'll see you there.